Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. So Ezra, it's Peyton Youth in China. Okay, so <laughs> Amen. Praise God. We've been talking about Moses. Anybody excited for Christmas this year? Amen. Amen. Everybody awake? Everybody awake? I saw some people not clapping when I talked about Christmas. So I'm excited for Christmas. I don't know what I'm getting, but I know my wife is going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on me. Because I'm worth it. <laughs> no pressure, right? No, we, uh, we're, we just have a great Christmas lined up. We're uh, planning on taking my son down to uh, school, uh, not next Sunday, but next Monday, and uh, that'll be one less mouth to feed in our house, and so uh, I decided to take up the slack of eating for him, and so I'll be eating all his portions now. Uh, it's going to be awesome to actually have food in our refrigerator. That's just going to be one of those great moments that we're going to have, but uh, my wife is, uh, and I are definitely going to miss him. Uh, and this is, uh, I want you to understand how much I appreciate my son. He would work all night uh, at the job he was at, a uh, security job. Uh, and then he would come here after working all night, getting off at 6.30, and he would come here and play drums. And then he would just go home and crash. And so I honor him for his service. And he was very faithful in his giving. And I appreciate my son very much. All right, let me read a verse to you, and then we're going to get forward. But you, look at yourself and say you. Point yourself like this. You. You. Got it? Okay. So the Bible's talking about you, all right? He wasn't talking about, I mean, he is talking about everybody, but I want you to understand, I want you to make this personal. This is about you. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. That's the scripture we've been basing off for this month. Now, you probably would expect me to give the Christmas message since Christmas is Saturday, but I'm actually going to wait until next Saturday to give the Christmas message because I want to finish this part because we started it last week and we didn't finish it. So I want to finish this part about Moses. And I want to talk about Moses for a moment because we've been talking about Moses. You remember Moses... He heard the call of God. He was originally uh, drawn up into a basket and, the, and the, uh, the sister of Pharaoh, I believe it was the sister, the sister of Pharaoh uh, became his uh, kind of surrogate mom, so to speak. And so she raised him, but Moses rejected the, uh, the life of the Egyptians and he ended up killing an Egyptian over what, how they were treating the Hebrews and he fled into the wilderness. He had, and I'm just really overviewing this, and, and he went in there, and he, uh, he, he became a shepherd for 40 years, and, which is the lowliest job that there is. It's also the most boring job that it is, because you're just watching sheep all day. And he sees a fire up on the mountain, as God sending him forth. Amen? And this is, I want to repeat this. I've been talking about this. Never in the history of the church 
Has there been a time like this? I want to say that one more time because I want you to hear me. Never in the history of the church has there been a time like this moment. In church, people have gotten comfortable. They've gotten bored. Come on now. They've gotten bored. They show up. They fall asleep. <laughs> I see some of you. You fall asleep, right? That's why if you hear me getting really loud, you know somebody's asleep. Amen? They fall asleep, or maybe, maybe they're on their phones, or maybe they're talking when they shouldn't be talking. You know, it's funny that we have to address don't talk in church. I'm not talking about someone who's translating. I want to make sure, because there's some people that translate. We bless that. We want that to happen. But I'm talking about laughing and cutting up in church. We, we just don't do those things, right? It's amazing we got to do that, but sometimes we do, right? But we, the church at whole has gotten kind of boring. Come on. Are you with me so far? And then, all of a sudden, we had this pandemic. And I'm not going to get into that for political purposes because I'm not getting political because there's a lot of strong opinions one way or the other. I got people saying, we need to wear the mask. And I got people saying, I will never wear the mask. And there's like no gray area and all of that, right? But also, we have this pandemic, and it throws the church into kind of a tailspin a little bit. And so churches across America have lost around 25% of the people who used to come to the church. They just left. Left. And so you call them and you ask them and say, hey, are you coming back to church? Nope. Because there's a fear there. There's an anxiousness there. And in reality, and I may hurt someone's feelings here, but they were never really rooted in God. They were never really rooted in the gospel. They were never really rooted in him. I'm not talking about people who are out for health reasons. I'm not talking about those things because a lot of you have made your way back. But there's people who are still refusing to come to church. We're still refusing to watch them online. They just decided not to come back. And you have to question them, why were they here? They weren't really here for the right reasons, were they? And so you are here. So I know that you're here for the right reasons, but even then we have to question ourselves, what did God just do to the church? In the sense that God causes upheaval within the, uh, the church, and it causes shuffling, so to speak, and those who were on the fringe, those who weren't really a part of it, just kind of fell off a little bit. Now God gave everybody a chance. He's given everybody a chance. But right now in the church, I sense the people that are here, you're committed. You're committed. I applaud you for that. You're committed. You want to be here. You even in right now, they've got the whole new thing variant coming. We've got this Omicron. Is that what it's called? Omicron variant? You know, I keep thinking, how many variants are there going to be? And it always seems to happen right at Christmas time, right? They said, don't go outside. Go outside. Put on your mask. Don't put on your mask. I don't know what to do anymore, so I just go around. I kind of stand halfway in the door and halfway out the door, and I figure I'm okay. I don't know. And I, I went into Fred Meyer's the other day, and I didn't have my mask on, and I think I was the only one not having a mask. And again, I'm not here to get political. I'm going to say it's confusing what kind of world we live in right now. And it's a word that is, world that is built up with fear, amen? But as the church, we have to remember, why is it that we come to church, amen? It is not to check off something. 
It is not simply just to say I showed up. It's not to come hear me, amen? It's not me that you're here for. We're here for an almighty God who brings healing and joy. If there was ever a time that we need joy to the world, it is now, amen? It is now. We need joy to the world. And you have that joy. I love going in the store and and, and meeting people. I was in the store yesterday and I saw Randy. I snuck up behind him and I scared him. I did. I looked at him and I said, security, come to me. And he's like, (laughs) I I felt bad about doing that for like a second. And then I was okay. (laughs) But I enjoy messing with him. And I saw some of you in the store. I saw Paula in the store. And and I love going to Fred Myers because I can see my whole church in Fred Myers. (laughs) Amen. I saw Mary in the store the other day. Where you at, Mary? I saw Mary in there. She was working hard, and I thought, I don't want to disturb her, but she was just working as hard as she could, and I said, I'm going to disturb her anyway because I can do that. And I saw her, and she does what she always does. She puts on this big smile. You ever, you ever seen Mary in a bad mood? Now, maybe Ezra has, because I'm sure you caused it, right? But I never see Mary, every time I see Mary, she's got like a smile from here to here, and she's like all bubbly and everything. It's kind of annoying, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not annoying. I, I love her. Anytime I want to be lifted up, I go see Mary because she's just all full of sunshine and everything. And then, see, that's the joy that I'm talking about. And that's what we have right now. We are a chosen generation. Amen. God has picked you for this time. And we have to redefine what church is. Now, like me, when you get to a certain age, and I know some of you are looking at me and say, don't even talk to me about age. I know. And, and it's hard hearing things from, from a younger pastor because you think you don't have any idea what I've been through. But I, let me just share with you what God is laying on my heart. There comes a point that we have to change how we view church. Amen. We have to change how we view what it is we're doing. This is not a place to come and relax. This is a launching station. A launching station. I am here to bring you the sword so that you can carry the sword with you, which is the Word of God. I'm here to equip you. It talks about that in Ephesians 4.11. I'm here to equip you so that you can go out into the world and be that joy. Amen? So that you can go out and be excited. So that if somebody comes up to you and says, why should I believe in God? You go, I know what to say to that. Instead of not knowing what to say. Having that confidence, having that confidence in who you are. And that's what church is. It's not a place for us to come in and me serve you necessarily. It's for us to come in and you serve God. Amen? Now, I serve, but I serve God, not you. We understand that? I serve God. And we have to redefine what church is. And that's going to be hard for some of us because, well, we've been doing it this way for a long time. But how many understand that? Just because we've been doing it a long way for a long time doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. See, God changes. And I don't know about you, when he comes back, I want him to look at me and say, say, well done. You just didn't go to church. You were the church. You just didn't step in the door. You were the door to the church. Amen? And that's what God is looking for from all of us. That's what he wants us to do. And I want you to know that God is calling everyone in this room to serve him. He's calling you to serve him. You can, 
You can be upset all day long about the people in your life that are not saved, but guess what? God has called you to minister to them and save them, amen? Now, we're going to talk about what that means, but I want you to understand God has called you to be that minister. The person on the street that you don't know, he's called you to be that minister. To the cashier who works in Fred Myers, who's had a bad day, God has called you to be that minister. God has called you to be a minister to that waiter or that waitress or that busboy. God has called you to be a minister of the gospel to your co-workers. Amen? God has called you. God has called you. We're all in this together. Amen? We're all in this together. We need people who are willing to take prayer requests over the phone. We need people who are willing to, to lift everybody up. We need people who will just say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve God. And I'm willing to step out into the world. See, that's what Moses did. He was willing to do that. As a matter of fact, once he got past that issue at the end, he did exactly that. Exodus 5.1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. Now, I want you to understand, Pharaoh was the most powerful person in the world at that moment. Can you imagine just walking into the Pharaoh's, wherever he was, and just walking in and just talking to him? Has anybody ever tried to get close to a public official, like the president? You'd be tackled, wouldn't you? Or shot. <laughs> right? But Moses just walks right on in. And he says this, he went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness see Moses did exactly what God asked him to do he was obedient do you know obedience is just simply taking that first step you know how many people don't won't even take that first step because they're afraid can I remind you that God has not given you the spirit of fear God has not given you that spirit. God has given you a different spirit, one of boldness, a sound mind. He's given you the ability. He's given that to you. But in our mind, we somehow think that we speak those words and everybody's going to go, oh, oh, okay, I need to serve the Lord now. Does that ever happen? No. You know why? Because we're literally fighting for souls right now. Do you know the enemy doesn't want to give up his property? He will fight you for it. He's going to do everything he can to fight you. We have to expect a battle, amen? Now, if Randy goes into the MMA ring, if the moment you step into that ring, is that guy going to go, I give up? I'm not going to fight you? No, he's going to fight, right? Randy says he doesn't want me going in the ring. I'll get knocked out too fast. I don't know why he says that. I don't know. He's probably right. Moses did what God asked him to do. But Pharaoh's response was just brutal. Pharaoh said this. He says, you know, Moses goes in and he goes, let my people go. You know what Pharaoh said back? He said, no. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody about the Lord and the first thing they say out of their mouth is, No. Right? Isn't that discouraging? 
Because you got all this excitement and God told you to do it, but all of a sudden the first thing out of their mouth is, no, I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't, that's just a bunch of malarkey, if they use those words. Maybe they use other words that I can't repeat here. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with it. And it's discouraging, right? Because you just feel God's like, say the word, say it. And you're like, ah. And they said no. Not only did Pharaoh say no to letting his people go, but he also made it harder for the Hebrews. See, it used to be because they were building bricks for the pyramids. They were building these things, and the Pharaoh said, well, not only am I going to say no, but because you have all this free time now, I'm going to make life harder for you, and you're going to have to find your own, your own hay and your own stuff to make bricks. I'm not even going to help you do that anymore. And here Moses went in and said, hey, let my people go. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh makes life harder for the very people that Moses was trying to free. Can I let you on a little secret? When you serve God... And you take that step. The devil is going to fight you with everything he has. Amen. He's not only going to fight you, but he's going to make it harder for the people that you're praying for. He's going to make it harder for them because he does not. We're in the end times, guys. We're in the final days. This is, this is it. We're, I, I, I got one ear listening out for some trumpets. I don't know about you, right? And I want to be able to tell everybody that I know, everybody that I meet, but it doesn't mean that they're going to jump up and say, yes, I want the Lord. We want that, and it'd be awesome and cool if they did, but not everybody's going to do that because the devil's trying to hold on to that property. He doesn't want to let them go, and he's going to make life harder for them. And instead of getting better, sometimes they get worse. The drug addict, take more drugs. The alcoholic is going to drink more. I mean, I can go down the list of things that they do, right? And you know what they are. And that, that's at the point, brothers and sisters, that some of us fall away and we get discouraged because we wonder, God, where is your power? We begin to doubt that, don't we? We begin to God, doubt God's power because he told us to do something and it didn't work out. He told us to, to share his word and we didn't get anything from it. We, we, we expected this grand revelation to happen and that person immediately decided for Christ. And again, man, it'd be really cool if that happened. And we don't realize that sometimes there's work that needs to go in. Sometimes that work needs to be on our knees. Amen? Sometimes that work needs to be on our knees. Sometimes that work... Sometimes that work needs to be travailing in prayer. Amen? If you've ever given birth to a child, to a new life, you know that that moment when a woman gives birth is the closest to death that she will ever be without dying. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be willing to almost die for people so that they may live. And how many of us are willing to go through that for lost souls? How many of us are willing to, to, to lay it all out there and pray for them and travail in prayer? But we tend to, we tend to, you know, we experience what I call the cactus effect. You ever tried to hug a cactus? Yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? And because we go through that pain, we don't want to do any more. 
And all I can tell you is if Jesus treated us like that, we would not be where we are today, right now. If, if another brother or sister had treated us like that, we would not be where we are right now. God has chosen you. He has chosen you. That means you've got to be willing to put up with the person that you don't like. That means you've got to be willing to pray for them. That means you have to be willing to do everything it takes knowing that they're going to look at you and say no because the enemy doesn't want to let them go. He doesn't want to let them go. He doesn't want to let them go. He's, kind of, he's going to hold on to them with everything he has. And a person has to realize that they need the Lord. And then the person who is going through that, they may in fact start blaming you. That's what the Israelites did. Chapter 5, verses 20 through 21. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. This is the Hebrews. And they said to him, now this is, this is tough, but listen to this. Let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. In other words, it's your fault. Anybody ever done that to you? It's your fault this is happening to me. This is your fault. And they bring up stuff that you don't even know about and they blame you for everything. I, I told somebody one time, and I probably shouldn't have said this, I said, you know, I woke up this morning. Is that my fault too? <laughs> I know, I was being a smart aleck, but I just still said it. I mean, they're going to find a way to blame you for everything, right? And I want you to understand is that when somebody's blaming you for something, they don't know who else to blame because they can't blame themselves, can they? But when you reach out to somebody, and this is hard. This is why I'm sharing my heart with you, brothers and sisters, but we, we have to reach out to people. When you reach out to someone, you're opening yourself. You're opening yourself. You become vulnerable. And, and we don't like to become vulnerable, do we? Does anybody like to be heard and trashed and, and put down and made fun of? Is anybody like that? I hate it. I can't stand it. I can't stand to be made fun of. I can't stand to be put down. I, I can't stand to have people say mean things to me. But yet, that's the exact same thing that happened to Moses. And Moses was just doing what God told him to do. And when you do what God tells you to do, there are going to be people that come against you. And they're going to use scripture. They're going to use things that you hold dear. They're going to do whatever they can to get you to stop what you're doing. You've got to understand that it's not God doing that. That is the enemy trying to tell you to stop. Amen? Because you got, I want you to understand, you make the enemy scared. Amen. You are, the enemy looks at you, and maybe you look at yourself and say, Pastor, I don't, I'm nothing. I don't know scripture. I don't even know the Bible. I don't know half the songs that you do. I don't understand these things. And the enemy, that's not how the enemy scared, looks at you. The enemy looks at you right now in this church. He looks at a mighty armory, army, man. He looks at you, and he says, man, if that church ever caught fire, they could change Juno. They could change this world. Amen. And the devil, the devil doesn't want you to step forward. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to just come to church. He doesn't care if you come to church. Just come to church. Sit down. Go ahead and pay your tithes. Go ahead and, go ahead and do that. Just don't get involved. 
Just don't reach out. Because the moment we reach out, we're opening ourselves up. But that's exactly what the Lord has commanded us to do. He says, go out into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples. Amen? That he wants us to do that. He's called us to do that. He never meant for us to come in and be comfortable. Some people have told me, they say, I don't feel comfortable in church anymore. Good. Praise God. Praise God. We're doing something right. Amen. I don't want you to feel comfortable in church. I want you to have thumbtacks in your seat. I've actually thought about installing some. I want you to kind of squirm a little bit and say, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable because the God is sending us out. Amen. There's a world out there that needs us and they're not going to hear it if we're not the ones who go out there. Right now in Fred Myers, there's people who need the Lord. Right now in bars across the city, there's people that need the Lord. Amen. People need the Lord and he's not just called me. He's called you. He's called you. Amen. He's called you, and he wants you to step out, and yes, you're going to be rejected. Yes, people are going to make fun of you. Yes, people are going to try to hurt you. When Moses heard the people say that, Moses began to question himself. Tell me if this sounds familiar. I'm not going to show the scripture. I'm just going to paraphrase, all right? He's like, God? Are you sure you said this? God, are you sure that you spoke those words to me? God, what are you doing? God, are you crazy? God, you must have meant somebody else. You couldn't have meant me. I mean, I've been on the backside of a desert for 40 years. Maybe I was seeing and hearing things. We begin to doubt our own call, don't we? There's been times in my ministry that I have felt so low because of things that have been said to me that I began to question who I was. So I want you to understand that's normal. Okay? It's normal. I'm being real with you, okay? Can I speak to your heart? Can I do that? Can I, I'm just sharing with you. There's going to be times that you just feel lower than low than low because the enemy just hits you where it hurt. Can I tell you something? God sees that. He sees where you're at. Moses was like, God, come on. The people, they're in bondage, and I just made it worse for them. He really didn't. He didn't understand, but that's what it seemed like. All the while, while, God is working. See, we don't see what God is doing, do we? We don't see the, the things that God is doing in the background. We only see what's right here in front of us. God was working. But God did something that was amazing right here. This is where I want to lift you up and encourage you because some of us have had a bad week. Some of us have had a bad year and you you wonder where God is at. You wonder, God, what's going on? Anybody else had that question before? God, where are you? There was a famous book, God, where are you? It's me, Margaret. You remember that? I've questioned that many times. God, where are you? When my wife and I lost our first child, I said, God, where are you? When we almost went bankrupt, I said, God, where are you? When I got fired from a job, I said, God, where are you? 
I'm doing everything you asked me to do. Why, why this? And then the Lord did something. He spoke to Moses. And I hope, I hope he speaks to your heart right now like he's speaking to mine. Because I, just, I feel the sense of lost, the sense of despair. And I don't want to criticize those feelings because those feelings are normal, but I do want to challenge them because I want you to know that God is here with you. He's going to lift you up, but you got a lot of them. Amen? you got a couple of choices. You can stay in the mully grubs or you can rise up. And this is what God said to Moses. Mully grubs, that's an actual word. Look it up. He said this. Chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I love this right here. Say that with me. I am the Lord. Now he could have just stopped there and that would have been cool, right? I am the Lord. In other words, forget about all that you're dealing with. I'm God. But he went further. But I want you to understand the significance of what he just said. He goes, in other words, whatever you're going through, I can change it in a heartbeat. I am God. Amen. I am God. And whatever you're going through today, whatever you're dealing with today, I want you to say these words into your heart. The Lord speaks to you and says, I am the Lord. Amen. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggle, whatever hurt, whatever pain, whatever trauma, whatever seriousness in your life, maybe financial ruin, maybe heartache, maybe brokenness, the Lord says to you this morning, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Hallelujah. But he goes further. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. You remember the story of Abraham? God actually appeared in the form of a man to those Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He appeared. Remember the story of Abraham? He came to him as visitors. Right? See, the generations before us, hear me, okay? The generations before us, God appeared to those generations. He appeared to them. He manifested himself to them. And some of the questions in church today, and I've had this question too, it's like, God, why don't you appear to us anymore? Why don't you show yourself anymore? It's because we're different. And I'm going to show you how in just a moment. We're different in a better way. But he appeared unto them. He made himself known, but that's not who he was. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Come on, just bear with me a moment. He says this to Moses. I appeared unto them. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. I'm going to repeat that again. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. In other words, in other words, God revealed himself more to Moses 
God showed himself more to Moses than Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. Anybody before Moses, he revealed himself to Moses. He gave him something personal. He gave him something intimate. He gave him his name. Amen. He said, I want, because when you say somebody's name, they instantly perk up and they pay attention. And I'm going to tell you this morning, there is a God in heaven that I know his name this morning. And I can say Jehovah and he perks his ears to me and he hears me every time. Amen. See, it's, it's great that we've had the Pentecostal experiences from 100 years ago. I will never take away from that. But it is a time living right now that we need more than that. We need to know the name of God. We need to be able to call unto him and hear him answer us. We need God in this place this morning. Amen. We need to hear from God. We need an intimate relationship with God. Amen. See, if I want your attention, what do I do? I say your name, right? If I just point it at you, hey, hey. I mean, I'm pointing at Ezra, but would anybody know I was really pointing at Ezra? I could be pointing at RJ or Fred or Karen. You ever waved at somebody across the parking lot and people weren't sure who you were waving to? I remember I was uh, in college one time. These girls were waving at me, and I'm like, all right. And I started waving, and I looked behind me, or they're waving at some other girl. But see, when you say somebody's name, if I say Ezra, you see what he did there? He looked at me. He thought, I'm in trouble. <laughs> right? <laughs> if I say Randy, Randy's going to pay attention. If I say Tessa, when you say somebody's name, it's intimate, isn't it? You know what else it is? It's access. See, God wanted Moses to know, yes, you're going to go through a tough time. But you have access to me like nobody else has. Oh, come on now. We should be shouting across the place right now. You have access to me like nobody else has. See, the word Jehovah carries meaning. It means the eternal one. That's what it means in Hebrew. It means the eternal one. In other words, when I call on Jehovah, he didn't die 2,000 years ago. He's still alive today, right now. When I say Jehovah, now I'm not saying you need to go home and start seeing Jehovah. We have Jesus. We have people. He's given us his name to call on. But I'm trying to get you to understand there's a level of intimacy there. There's a level that God says, call on me. Like he says in Psalms 18, call on me and I will answer you. I will break heaven. I will break the surge to come and answer you. Amen. It is time that the church stop dating Jesus. Come on. We need to be fully committed to him. We need to become enthralled with him. We need to have a relationship with him. It is not just an occasional acquaintance. We need to know him inside and out. We need to know him. We need to bring people to him. Amen. we got to have a relationship with him. And right now, the Lord is calling you to that relationship. He's calling you. Do you know why? Can I tell you why? Times are about to get tough. We only have seen a little bit. I don't know where this country is going to be in five years, but I don't have a lot of good, warm feelings about it. I don't, right, right now, there's a professor in Florida. And if he's saying this, it's, 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 it's something that's being put out there. 
They're asking for the First and the Second Amendment to be rewritten. Specifically, to exclude religious freedom. Do you guys see where this is headed? The churches need to come together, don't we? Amen. Instead of fighting each other, right. instead of fighting internally, you know, my kids, they fuss and fight, and, you know, like brothers and sisters do, but man, you challenge one of them, you challenge the whole family, right? That's the way it needs to be with us. We're not going to always get along, but we need to come together and be a family. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter if you like the Steelers. You know I'm going to say that. There's still hope for salvation for these people. <laughs> or the Washington football team. I don't know how they're going to heaven, but we're... <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But we need to come together, amen? We need, to, we need to understand. We need to understand what God is doing in our lives and realize that He wants to be relational with us. Whatever hurt you've been through, whatever pain that you've experienced, I promise you, someone in this church has felt it too. And we can get through it together. Life is not always easy for everybody. Amen? We all go through stuff. We all, show, we all go through trials. But Jesus gives us his name, and he did it for, for three reasons. First, to demonstrate his authority. To demonstrate his greatness. And number three, to demonstrate his connection to us. He wanted Moses to know that when he delivered the Israelites, it wasn't them or Moses that did it. It was him. Moses was just a tool, a vessel. See, God is calling you to be a vessel. God is calling you to be an instrument. Can I tell you this morning, there are no exceptions? Well, and forgive me for saying this. Pastor, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to retire. I'm, I'm old and I've done my duties. That's incorrect. That's incorrect. There's always a place for you in the kingdom. Amen. It doesn't matter how old you are. When Moses started leading the Israelites out of Egypt, do you know how old he was? He was 80 years old. 80. You know when Moses died? He died at 120 years old, and the Bible says that he didn't lose his gait or his eyesight. It was still like a, he was a young man. When you serve God, it is like you're a 20-year-old. It's like you have this energy. It's like nothing can stop you when you serve God. God has called you. He has called you. I want you to hear me this morning. My job, and I'm going to repeat this over and over again, is to equip you, to give you the tools, to fight the enemy. To fight. And trust me, the enemy is going to fight. He's going to hit you where it hurts, and you just got to see it coming. 
That's why it's important for you to be in church every time we open. We have a prayer meeting tonight. You need to be here. Amen. Do you know why? We pray. Amen. We pray. Amen. We pray. You know what we pray for? We pray for lost souls. In the past three weeks, 22 people have given their life to the Lord and six people have been baptized. Do you think that just happened? No, that was the result of prayer. Many of you are here today because the Lord is pulling you. He's pulling you. Maybe you've had that burning bush experience when the Lord has dropped that calling into your heart. I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I couldn't serve you because I was dealing with other things. That's, that's not going to work. There's no excuse that you can give him that's good enough not to serve him. None. And the thing is, you don't necessarily have to have an official job from the pastor. I, I know that it's within us. We like to be asked. We like for people to come up to us and say, will you do this? I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there's nowhere in Scripture that that's the case. Okay? I don't mean to be offensive to you. I just want you to know there's nowhere in Scripture that the pastor is required to come up to you and ask you. You might want to talk to me about it. Maybe I can pray with you. I would love to talk with you about it. But it's not something you need to come to me. Sometimes the Lord just wants you to go and... You know what we need? People to actually walk through Fred Myers and just pray as they walk through and lay their hands on stuff and anoint it. You don't have to close your eyes and start speaking in tongues. Just pray, amen? I mean, if you do, that'd be awesome. But still, I just, just pray, amen? When you're driving around, claim that property, claim that town, play, claim the place where you're driving for God, amen? It doesn't have to be complicated. You see, a, you see a homeless person, take them a meal, amen? And while you give them something to eat, tell them Jesus loves you. We're, we're at dinner the other night, Richard was with me, and he, and, he, and he talked to the young man who was a waiter who used to come to this church. You know what he told him? Hey, did you know Jesus loves you? And you know what he did? He about started crying right then and there because he needs to hear that Jesus loves him one more time, amen? There's a world out there that needs to hear it, Amen. But the only way they're going to come in is if God draws them. But they're never going to be drawn unless we say it. We have to say it. You got to say it. You got to believe it. My grandmother, man, I love her to death, but there was a time I hated her. I was in church one time. And I didn't want to go because I was going through some things in my life, and I hated God, and I hated everything else. You know when you're raised in church, there's things that happen that make you not want to go back to church, right? So we were in church, and, and she literally, I kid you not, my mom was there. I'll never forget this. She grabbed me by my ear, right? <laughs> she grabbed me by my ear, and she said, get up here now to the altar. We're praying you through. I had two choices at that moment. I could have said no which was not advisable. Or I could have just did what she said and just hoped that it would go away. And I was mad. I'm like, okay, I'll show her. I'm going to go up and pray. <laughs> I'm sorry, God. <laughs> it's amazing what God can do, amen? 
Brothers and sisters, whatever we need to do to get people in the house of God, we need to do. They need to hear one more time. This young man, this young man that he said this to, he needs God. You, got, you, you guys, the men that were with me, he was in your youth group, Will. He needs God. I believe that seed was planted with him, and he needs the Lord. He's saying, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to tell you too much. Anything he's put on Facebook, he goes, I'm gonna, I need to quit drinking. I'm going to try to take care of it. I said, you can't do it on your own, man. You need God, amen? Listen, don't be ashamed. You can't do things on your own. You don't understand how many email messages I get each week saying, I, I, I got to quit drinking. Will you pray for me? I got to quit drinking. Will you pray for me? Brothers and sisters, there is a world that is hurting out there right now. There is a world that is hurting, and they need Jesus. Amen. We got to have that burning bush moment. And that fire, the fire from the burning bush needs to come into our souls right now. And it needs to be a fire in us. Then when we see somebody, we can't help it. We got to say, hey, did you know Jesus loves you? Did you know that he died for your sin? Do you know that he cares about you? Do you know that he loves you? And then watch Jesus become intimate with you. Watch him. Ever since I've become a pastor, the Lord has become more real to me. I talked about this being my third year anniversary. And I'm not the same man that I was three years ago. I'm not. I'm different. God is changed me but in that time through all my hurt and there's been some times there's been some times where people have said things to me that destroyed me and in that moment God became more real to me than it ever has been my wife and I were talking the other day we sat back and we thought about all the good things that God has done for us my son's going to school and it's paid for. It's paid for. My daughter's going, amen. amen. My daughter, my daughter's going to school next year. I won't tell you where, uh, tell you where but it's here in Juneau. <laughs> we thought she was going to leave us and go somewhere else and we kind of helped guide her. And so she's going to stay here and as a dad, I see my daughter up here serving the Lord. I see my son and my wife. And I think, man, my heart is so full. Amen. But it hasn't come without a cost. Amen. Brothers and sisters, when you serve God, it will cost you everything. But he will become more real to you. He will become more real to you than anything ever before. Will you stand with me, please? And let's put on some music. I want to read one final verse to you. Man, I feel the Lord here. Because I feel God calling this church. I feel God calling this church to do something more. And we have to make that decision. Are we just going to have church like we always have? 
or we're going to be uncomfortable. Change is hard, right? Anybody else like change? I don't. But man, if it's worth seeing souls saved and people delivered from alcohol, people delivered from drugs, from domestic violence, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and he gave himself some, or he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're here to lift up God. Some people say, well, Pastor, I don't like the worship music you're playing. Well, that's okay. We weren't here to worship you. Okay? We weren't here to worship you. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't like your sermon. Okay. Well, I'm going to preach the Word of God. I'm going to preach the Word of God as I see it, and I trust me, God will hold me accountable for every word that I've said. All right? Well, Pastor, I don't like the things that you're doing. Okay, well, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it to get people into the kingdom. Amen. Listen, I, I value, I value, amen, give God glory. Hallelujah. I value your feelings. But let me say lovingly, this church is not about you, no longer how you, long you've been here. This church is about Him. It's about Him, amen? It's about Him. I, I do not say that to offend anybody. I say that with love. Because God's going to hold us accountable for what we did with what He's given us. I'm going to ask a very direct question. The Bible says in Ephesians, and I just read this, He's gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What has God called you to do? And are you willing to do it? Yeah. Now maybe, maybe you don't know what that is yet, and that's okay. That's why we're here in church. I'm supposed to equip you. Maybe you need that burning bush experience. But it's time. It's time. Now before you leave today, make sure you vote on the carpet. I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Just go right outside. The carpet is out there. I want you to be able to vote on it. We're going to write that down for you. Please go out this way when it's time to go. Not now, but when it's time to go. But before we go, I want to ask you this morning. I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't want you to do this. I want you to do it in your heart. Amen? Will you do that for me? It's between you and God right now. I don't want to know. Are you willing to serve God? Are you willing to serve God? Now, I need to also tell you that serving God complements this church. A lot of people think that I can just go serve God and do what I want to do. That's not how it works. Because the, the church is the bride of Christ. That's what he centers it around. Amen? So whatever you do is going to complement this church. If it doesn't complement this church, then it's not from God. Or a church, I should say. It's not from God. God never said in Scripture for you to go off and do your own thing like that. 
He always did it in the sense of edifying the church. That's what he just said. Edify the church. But who's willing right now to commit into their heart? Commit. Who's willing right now to commit to themselves? I am going to serve God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to find a ministry for me. I'm going to serve God. Is that you this morning? Don't raise your hand. Just say it in your heart. Because you know why? God's going to hold you to that. He's going to hold you to that. Say, Pastor, I'm not ready. Don't worry. He'll make you ready. Okay? He'll make you ready. He'll, whatever. Well, Pastor, I got, I got to deal with some things first. No, those things will never be resolved. They'll never be resolved. There's always a reason not to serve God. We need to serve God. Amen. We're going to get to this more in a couple weeks, but when Moses served God and he absorbed that initial rejection, an entire nation was delivered out of slavery. One man. One man. How many do we have this here morning, Mike? 75, 80? Something like that? How many do we have here this morning? 75 or 80? 80? Okay, one person delivered a nation. How many can 80 do? Right? Come on. What could 80 do? I see a whole city of Juno. Juno. I see the bars shut down. I see demons leaping out of windows trying to get out of here. I see our villages being delivered from alcohol and drugs. I see the state of Alaska no longer being held captive to domestic violence. I see a nation set free. I see husbands coming with their wives to church. I see men becoming fathers to their sons and moms to their daughters. I see healing between races. There's no longer brown or yellow or black or white. There is one people. There's forgiveness for things that have been done wrong by everybody. Everybody. There's forgiveness. 80 people can turn this city, this state, this nation upside down. We can do it. But that means we're going to have to face rejection first. If somebody rejects you, you come to me and we'll pray together, okay? I'll lift you up. If somebody rejects me, I'll come to you and we'll pray together, amen? Have you committed to them? We can go ahead in the Facebook feed here. I want you to know, church, I love you. I've seen what God is about to do in this church. And it starts with you. Not me. You. To be honest, I get the easy part. I just get up here and yell and scream for 45 minutes. And I do that a lot. But it's time for you to go. service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube, 
or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.